Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. So today we're going to read all of chapter 1, if you'll read with me. John writes, We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life, this life, was revealed and we have seen it and testify to it and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We're writing these things so that all of our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you that God is light. And in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say we haven't sinned, we we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Christ is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Indeed, you may be seated. Hello, everyone. I'm Levi Dugan. Pretty good. We'll work on it. Uh, I have my family here with me today, most of them anyway. Uh, My wife, Marty, is here, and so if you call me Marty, I will answer to that. That's pretty common, actually. Uh, You know, a a man shall leave his father and mother and and join his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So it's interchangeable, really. And in fact, after the service, the first service, everybody called me Marty, so that was pretty awesome. Uh, Whatever you got to do, you know. But we also have, of course, Xavion, my son. X goes by X. Some of you probably remember X. And X is going to be 14 in two weeks. And he's pretty excited about it. Yeah, Yeah. very excited about it. Uh, Of course, Eleanor is here. Eleanor's 11 going in the sixth grade. So she's about to turn into a gargoyle for a few years. If you'll pray for us. She likes it when I pick on her. Uh, Madeline Grace is 10. She's going into fifth grade. She's not here today, but she'll be here next week. She's coming back from Nebraska. And sometimes you'll see our older kids. Hadley's in California. Bella's in Oklahoma City and going to college there. My mom's here. Sonia. So if I do anything good, you can thank me. And if I mess up, no, I'm just kidding, Mom. I love you. Mom's signing here, and then Abby, my sister's here. Super excited you're here, Abby. Good to see you. You know, I remember one of the first times I went back backcountry camping. Have you ever been backcountry camping? Anybody? I'm not talking about RV camping. There's no electricity. I'm not talking about tent camping 
where you have like a bathroom you can see in the distance and you know it's there. You have the safety of that. The shower you know you can take if you really need to. Like a fancy state park. Not that kind of camping. Backcountry camping where you hike six or ten miles deep into the forest. I did that not too long ago with a, a friend of mine. We went back deep into the National Scenic Area with no lights, no cell service, no bathrooms, no water fountains of any kind, just the two of us deep in the woods. And during the day, we set up camp. We popped up our tents, we got out our equipment, but what do you think is one of the first things we did together? Eat. Nobody said pray. Firewood. Firewood, firewood, firewood. We went all around the campground looking for firewood and stacked up a big pile and got a nice big fire going. Because if you haven't been backcountry camping, you don't realize there is no darkness like the darkness of the night deep in the woods. And the trees seem to hide the moonlight from you. And there's nothing but pitch black in every direction for miles. So you don't want to get stuck at night deep in the woods without a big fire going. One of the things about a nighttime fire is that it only lights the area immediately around you, maybe like 10 or 20 yards in any direction, and then it's pitch black again, right? And so you find yourself hovering in that circle around the campfire, but don't step out into the darkness. It's too scary. It's creepy. It's a little bit fun. It's very scary sometimes, especially when you hear the wild hogs rooting around behind your tent in the middle of the night. I got a story for you, but I'm going to tell you another time. But I thought about that camping experience as I read this passage in 1 John. You know, John talks a lot about light and darkness. In his gospel, in John's gospel, Jesus speaks of light 16 times. And this letter, 1 John, is a meditation on that gospel. In fact, if you really want to get the most out of the next five weeks in 1 John, write this down. Go read John 13 through 17. It's one long scene of Jesus and his disciples in the upper room where he institutes the Lord's Supper, where he washes his disciples' feet. And that short bit of chapters, John 13 through 17, is the key to really understanding 1 John. 1 John is a meditation on that part of the gospel. Now, John really is answering a question for us today. What is light, really? And what is darkness, really? If you think about it, light serves really only one purpose, doesn't it? It's something very simple. It's to reveal or expose. If there's no light, you can't see. That's pretty obvious. And if you can't see, you can't know a lot of things that are important to know. So without light, we live in ignorance, right? We walk around unable to see or know what's going on around us. In darkness, we live in a state of ignorance or confusion. What does light do? Light exposes, it reveals that which is around us. And it even reveals that which is within us. If darkness confuses and hides, then light reveals and shows and helps you to know. And that's what John is speaking of today. What John reveals to us in this letter is pretty simple. When we live in our own sin, we live in darkness. We live unaware of reality. Sin is like this 
set of blinders that we put on that keeps us from knowing reality and truth and hides things from us. Sin is equated with darkness, and John, all throughout this letter, tries to show us ways to fight sin, the antidotes to evil in the world. What do we do? How do we combat that outside of us and within us? But in order to know that evil and to be able to fight it, we have to admit something to ourselves. We have to admit we have a problem. We sin. Anybody willing to admit that? Boy, I had hands raised in the first service. No one in here is going to admit. We sin. There's a, a popular teaching in Christianity that Jesus is taking care of all of it, and because of that, there's nothing left for us to do. We just receive it, and then we smile, shake hands. That's a very passive Christianity. It's very true that God gave us grace and saved us. We did not earn our salvation. It's a free gift of God. But here's the scandalous part about being a Methodist. Are you ready? The scandalous part about being a Methodist is we believe we participate in our salvation. We don't earn it. It's given to us. But we participate in it. We get to be a part of it. We get to do stuff. We get to walk in the light. We are active in our lives with Jesus. So John gives us some tips. How do we resist evil? Well, the first thing is pretty simple. We have to admit we have a problem. <laughs> That's that first step, right? Admit we have a problem. So John says, if you don't admit you have a problem, if you say, I have no sin or I'm not sinning, there's three big issues with that. First of all, you're lying to yourself. Second of all, you're lying to others. And third of all, you make Jesus a liar. That's where everybody goes, ooh, bad news, right? I can kind of handle lying to myself. I do that a lot. I'm good at that. I try not to lie to others, but I don't want to make Jesus a liar. That's bad news. But that's what John says when we won't admit that we have sin. We lie to ourselves. We lie to others. We call Jesus a liar. And John is blunt, but he's trying to drive home this idea that we have to admit we have a problem first. It sounds kind of universal. The way John phrases it, it sounds like there are liars and there are truth tellers. And you want to be one or the other, right? But the truth really is, and I think what John means is sometimes we're liars, sometimes we're truth tellers. We'd like to be truth tellers. That's the goal. John makes a beautiful promise, a beautiful promise to us. If we can admit we have a problem, if we can admit our shortcomings, if we can admit our sin, admit our mistakes to God and to each other, here's the promise. Three things. First, we can be cleansed from our sin. We can be washed away. Second, we can be forgiven. We can have forgiveness. And third, we actually can have fellowship with one another. How cool is that? Isn't that a great promise from God? You know, I made a wallop of a mistake this week. I mean, I messed up big time. And God knows I do that sometimes. But there were three things that got me through it. First was, of course, Marty, because she's always there to support me and to be honest when I need it. <laughs> the second thing were friends with a sense of humor. Isn't that good to have? 
If you don't have friends with a sense of humor, oh, you better go find some, because it's too hard. Life's too hard if you don't have friends with a sense of humor. But the third and most important thing that got me through my dumb mistake this week was this passage of Scripture, the promise of God. If I admit I messed up, I can be cleansed, I can be forgiven, and I can have fellowship again with people. Now, don't forget this. This is always with the promises of God. There's a vertical promise and a horizontal promise. Does that look familiar? What is that? Or, yeah, yeah, that. Oh, the cross right there. There's always a vertical promise and a horizontal promise. And so here, when we admit we have sin, God cleanses us and God forgives us and we have fellowship with God. But the beauty is, John says also, people can forgive us too and we can have fellowship with one another if we just admit we fall short. How cool is God that God would promise us that? So we have to get specific. We can't just generically say I'm a sinner, right? What'd you do? Don't tell me right now. After service. But what did you do? What are you doing? What are some things you struggle with? How do you fall short? And how can you put that out in the air? Admit it to God and to each other. How can I do that better? Sometimes we admit our sin and sometimes we don't. You know, the sermon series this month is called Glow in honor of our, our children's ministry doing their glow theme. And we want to talk about light and reflecting the light of God in the world. And so today we're asking ourselves a simple question. How can we see the light? How can we see the light? Like I said, it's my sincere belief that First John is just a meditation on John's experience in the upper room that fateful Thursday evening when Jesus was betrayed by Judas, when he instituted the Lord's Supper and washed the feet of the disciples. Next week, we're going to talk about my little children and have a whole other question to ask about light. But until then, today, John begins his letter with a declaration, with a statement of truth, trying to take that light and expose the truth to everyone and his first chapter sounds a lot like Genesis 1 and sounds a lot like the Gospel of John chapter 1. And did you know that was on purpose? It wasn't an accident. In John 1, or in Genesis 1, we're told God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then in John 1, we're enlightened that in the beginning, Jesus was there, the Word of God creating and crafting the universe with the Father and the Spirit. And now, in the letter of 1 John, we're told of another beginning. The beginning of the disciples' path with Jesus in the flesh. His walk with Jesus on earth. John's experience of Jesus. And he tells us this journey. It wasn't just a, a theological exercise. It wasn't a memory that was blown out of proportion. But he shows us it was a true experience of his whole body to walk with Jesus. He says that which he heard with his own ears. What did he hear? Maybe the words of Jesus teaching. Maybe he heard the laughter of a man with skin disease who was suddenly healed for the first time in his life. Maybe he heard the cries of sorrow from Mary and Martha as they grieved the loss of their brother Lazarus. Or maybe he heard the cries of joy when Lazarus walked out of his tomb. What did John hear? 
He says that which he saw with his own eyes. What did he see? The journey in Galilee, Galilee up hills and valleys and, and the feeding of thousands of people with five loaves and two fishes. The incredible storm that Jesus calmed on the sea. The meeting of Moses and Elijah and Jesus on a mountain. Even when he couldn't believe what he was seeing, he could not deny he saw it with his own eyes. And finally, he says that which he felt with his own hands. What did he feel? Maybe the embrace of his friend Jesus. Maybe he wiped away the tears of Mother Mary at the foot of the cross. Maybe he felt the weird scars of Jesus after the resurrection. He felt it all. What John John writes here is that it's not just a good story. It's a true story. A real and felt experience that he and others knew very well. An experience that would not leave his mind or soul, and he could still smell and taste and hear and touch in his mind's eye the experience of Jesus. And now he shares it with us. One of the most compelling evidences for the truth of the gospel is how many people saw Jesus alive after he was dead. So many. The Apostle Paul talks about hundreds of people in 1 Corinthians 15 who saw the risen Christ walking the earth. The resurrection was witnessed by so many, and the truth of the gospel spread like wildfire in the first generations, despite the powers that be trying to squash it. John is one more eyewitness to this, but he's a unique eyewitness because he didn't die early like everyone else in the story. He lived to be a very old man. He had time to ponder the meaning of what happened. He had maturity and wisdom to sift through all the experiences and all the stories to find the most important ones that he could write down and share with us. And his witness to the reality of his experience of Jesus, it serves to give us comfort. But what he says is it's really serving to give us complete joy. Did you know you could have complete joy? Even in the crummy times, even in the bad times, even when you're distracted and you're stressed and you're sad and you're grieving and you're angry, even when you're poor, even when you don't know how to pay the bills, did you know you can still have complete joy? And that's John's prayer for you, his goal for you in sharing this story. There was something about simply looking upon Jesus about being in the presence of Jesus, in the room with Jesus, hearing the teachings of Jesus that made the disciples' joy whole, full, complete. And Jesus himself promises this joy can come to us. In that same passage in the Gospel of John, in the upper room, he says, I'm telling you this stuff so that you know your joy can be made complete. And John says it again. I'm writing this to you so you know you can have fullness of joy. How can I see the light? How can I see the light? That's an important question for us to ask. And it might surprise you that one of the answers is in order to see the light, guess what we have to do? We have to face the darkness. Yeah. In order to see the light, we have to face the darkness. John says, God is light. And in God, there is no darkness. Yet we know there's darkness, right? Have you experienced darkness? I have in your own heart, in your own mind, or even in the world around you. 
Are you regretting inviting me yet? Not yet. Just want to make sure you're listening. You probably won't meet a more optimistic person than me. I really usually can see the glass half full, and I can see God's light in some of the darkest circumstances. But one thing God's taught me is that in order to really see God's light, we do have to confront our darkness. When we avoid it or hide it or look away from it or pretend like it's not there, it just makes darkness stronger. It gives it power. It feeds darkness. But we can confront our darkness. And here's how John shows us to do it. Simple formula, just like we talked about. First, we admit we have a problem. We say we sin. You remember uh, Amazing Grace, most famous hymn probably in the world. What does it say? "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear." You remember that line? It's a weird line. Grace taught my heart to fear. Why would I fear? That's the point. It's a gift of God. It's the grace of God that we even know we're sinners, that we even know there's darkness in the world because God's light shines through and shows it even within us. And so first, we have to admit we have sin, but second, we have a desire to run away from it, to get away from that sin, to get away from that darkness. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes inside of us and, and fills us with a desire to get away from darkness and to run towards light. And that's the third thing. Rather than running away from something, we start running to something, and that is light. The God who is light. When we do that, when we're running toward the light, suddenly there's just one crystal clear command that you just can't ignore anymore. And John's going to talk about it later. Love God and love each other. Light and love will go hand in hand in this story. So how do we see the light? It's very simple. Face the darkness. Admit to our darkness. Admit to ourselves and to others that we have it. And then turn from it and run toward the light. Where's the light? Well, it's in all of you. Sometimes it's in me. It's in all of us, the, the church, the body of Christ. It's in our Bible. It's in prayer, alone or together. It's in our church community. It's in the love and service that we give to one another and even to strangers. It's that experience of God in all that we do together as a church family. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.